it is just a tremendous blessing to be here with you this morning, and, and it's, it's a sweet sound for me to, to come in and, and hear you guys singing, uh, to be able to come in and, and see young people like you singing praises to God, and, and what, a, what a blessing that is. I also want to say, I know, how, how many basketball players do we have in here? Okay, I know, I know this morning it was maybe hard to get up, tough loss last night, uh, but I do want to say congratulations to you guys on a great season, Coach Leonard, and uh, kind of puts things in perspective when you, you've been working so hard uh, towards a common goal and then maybe things fall short, but uh, that's life, that's, that's sports, and um, for, for those of you coming back, maybe next season, but let me, let me just ask you a question this morning uh, to kind of kind of get us into this. How many of you have walked along on, on a path or, or maybe, maybe walking outside and you have found yourself slipping and, and falling right on your rear end? Has that happened to anybody before? Okay, maybe, maybe on ice or maybe it was slick outside of some kind and, and, and you, you fell. Well, let, let me tell you this morning about a story that I, I experienced 21 years ago. And to me, it seems like yesterday, 1995, I was a junior in high school, Lexington High School, and I found myself on the floor of the Bob Devaney Sports Center, semifinals of the state championship basketball tournament. And I was reminded of this last year because it was 20 years, and I, I had a chance to connect with some people on, the, on this story. But we were playing Waverly, and we were ahead of them within the third quarter by about 20 to 25 points. And at that point, we were well on our way to going into the state championship. And just a side note, we ended up getting beat by Norris in the state championship that junior year by one point. Uh, we were up with about a minute to go, ended up getting beat. And I'm still a little bitter about that. But junior season, semifinal state championship game, the floor of the Bob Devaney Sports Center. It's a Friday night. The, the stands, there's probably three or 4,000 people. I mean, it's a pretty good crowd for those of you guys that have been in the Bob DeBanny Sports Center. And we're just trying to run the clock. We're up by 20, 25 points. And I had the ball at the top of the key. And I passed it to my teammate on the wing and cut through the lane and didn't know what happened. But all of a sudden, my feet went out from underneath me. And it was one of those things where you don't just, you don't just fall, but you kind of sl- I kind of slid. And I realized that there was some type of watery substance on the ground. And I look over, and I see a teammate of mine that was on the floor as well. And, you know, usually when you're in sports, those of you guys that have experienced this, you fall down, and you kind of get back up right, right away, kind of acting like, oh, that didn't hurt, or, you know, nobody, nobody saw that. Try to, try to not be embarrassed by it. Well, I couldn't get up. It took me about 10 seconds to just get up because I was kind of slithering around on, on, the, on the court. My teammate was too. Finally, I got up. The, wh- the ref blew his whistle, and I run over to the ref, and I'm like, hey, there's, there's water on the court or something. And he kind of had a little smirk on his face, and he pointed over to the bench. And my, my other teammate, Justin Tamala, who had just been out on the court, he is sitting on the bench, and he is vomiting in a towel. And I, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, okay. And it began to dawn on me that what I slid in was not water, what I slid in was my teammate's puke. And, and the only consolation that I had was that it was not chunky. It, it, was, it was mainly mainly water. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, and, and everybody in the crowd is like, ooh, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're 
You know, you could hear the crowd murmuring. Look down, I've, I've literally got puke all over me. My, my jersey, my shorts, it was on my arms, my legs. And, and what do you do when you're in that situation? You still have a quarter and a half to play. Well, you do what anybody else would do. You go over, you wipe yourself off, and you, you keep playing, right? For you coaches, that's a great way to, to keep, keep the defense from guarding you because the rest of the game, <laughs> nobody wanted to touch me. Has anybody else experienced that before? Okay, I've never heard anybody. That's, that's a, I think, a unique story that, that I have. But guys, isn't that true in, in some sense to the way that, that our Christian lives are? The fact that we could be kind of going along, meandering, going through the motions, not really paying attention to what we're doing, and all of a sudden we find ourselves slipping. And we find ourselves slipping into sin. We find ourselves slipping into to something that maybe we shouldn't be dabbling with. And sometimes it's hard to get up. Some of you guys may be here this morning and you've gone through a, a season or a pattern to where you've, you've been slipping into, into certain sins. Some of you may be here this morning and you're not a Christian and you're, you're deep in the mire of that vomit of sin and evil. And you can't get up on your own. And if you would, if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. Ch- Proverbs chapter 4. And this is a, a chapter where a, a father is giving instruction to his son. And all I'm going to do is read five verses. Starting in, chapter, in verse 23. This will be a familiar verse for a lot of you. Starting in 23 of chapter 4. My translation says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. And I would imagine some of your translations say, above all else, guard your heart. For, for, from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. And that's a, that's a sermon for another time. Verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. Turn your foot away from evil. How many of you guys, as you walked in here today, paid attention to where you were putting your feet? You know, I saw a lot of you guys walk through this door. How many of you made a concentrated effort to put one foot in front of the other? Okay, unless, unless you have a, maybe a disability or maybe you're, you're paralyzed and you have prob- a problem walking, most of you guys didn't even think about it. You walked in this, this, down this hallway and into this room, and you just did it automatically because a lot of you guys have been walking since you've been one years old. But let's say that this morning when you walked in that, the door into the building, there's a tightrope, and you've got to walk on that tightrope all the way down, and there's a 30-foot chasm underneath you. Okay, do, you think, do you think if you were required to do that, most of you guys are turn around and walk, walk out. You wouldn't be in here this morning. But, but my mind goes to, and some of you guys may have seen this, the, the, the guy that set the world record by walking across the Grand Canyon on, the, on a tightrope. Do you guys think that he paid attention to putting one foot in front of the other? Of course he did. He, he didn't have a safety harness. He, all he had was that balance bar. And if you guys watch that video, he's going across the entire Grand Canyon, and he's holding that bar, and he is focused. And he's not looking around. The wind's coming. It's, it's hitting him. And 
he ended up making it all the way across, but it was one step at a time. And you even think about being on a mountain, if you guys have been hiking before. And, and one of the scariest experiences I've ever had was being on Long's Peak up in Colorado. It's, it's probably the hardest non-technical climb in Colorado. And there's a point on that mountain where you're, you're hugging the side of the mountain because two feet on the other side of you, there's a drop off about 1,000 feet. And all you've got to do is take one step that way and it's all over. And your mind begins to play tricks on you. But I tell you what, I was focused on where I was putting my feet. One in front of the other. And I was hugging the side of that mountain. Okay. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 is really a call for you guys to, and for us, to, to pay attention to where we put our feet. It's, it's, a, it's a call to maintain a concentrated focus in our lives. And we, we tend to not necessarily always have a, a good self-awareness of where we're at in life. And I think sometimes we kind of go through the motions. Just, just a, a couple of days ago, I was driving to a small group outside of Hastings. I was driving down Highway 6. And I was with my family. I got distracted. And before you know it, I had gone a, an entire mile past where my turnoff was. Has anybody has that happened to them? That happens to me all the time. But we get distracted. And before you know it, we're kind of like, okay, where are we again? Maybe you're out in the middle of a forest and you lose track of where you are and you look up and you're like, man, I, I'm not totally sure where I'm at. And, and this, this text is one where we got to have that self-awareness. In order to walk the Christian life, the, 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 the foundation of that all is that we need to learn how to apply the gospel to, to our life. You know, it's interesting, Proverbs 4.23 is, is the exact opposite of the way that the world is, 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 is telling you to do things. Okay, the world is going to tell you that in order for you to be happy in this life, you've got to bring all these outside things into your life. So it's, it's having a, a, a good scholarship to, to a college. It's, it's, it's having a, a good marriage, having that trophy wife. It's, it's having a lot of money. It's having that, that incredible job. It's having a nice retirement. And what happens is the majority of the world, you guys, I know you guys know this, but the majority of the world, that's what they're seeking after, to attain life, to attain satisfaction. What happens is that ends up just leaving you empty. It's going to leave you more depressed. It's going to leave you more angry because it's not going to address what's going on in the heart. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 is really saying that if you want to achieve true life, you, that, that's not by bringing life into you, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that you have the life of Christ within you. So life flows out, the life of Christ. And that's why it's so important for us to guard our hearts. It's so, so important for us to keep vigilance. It's so important for us to pay attention to where we're putting one step in front of the other. And this morning, all, all I want to do for you guys is out of this text... And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on expositing this text, but out of this, I want to just draw some principles for you of some things that, that I think are helpful for me to consider when, when we're thinking about how do we not let our feet slip into, into the vomit of sin and evil? How do we pay attention to putting one foot in front of the other? How do we guard our hearts? How, how are we vigilant to do that? So I've got four principles. I've got four thoughts on, on how to do that. And these have been helpful for me. And number one, 
And again, I just want to say, these are, these are all things that you guys have probably heard. You guys have had people come in on a Wednesday morning and probably teach on some of these things. So these will serve as reminders for you. We need to be constantly reminded. Number one is that we need to remember to keep the brevity of life in view. Keep the brevity of life in view. Another way to say that is we need to keep eternity in view. And isn't life so short? Okay, I had, a, I had an older brother when I was only two years old. He was nine who died in a construction accident. And it really, really sobered my family in a lot of ways. And it, and it really caused us, my, my parents, to reevaluate the way that they were living their lives. Life is so short. And you think about it, why is that the case? Why are, why are our lives so short? Well, we go back to the Garden of Eden. You know, we weren't created or designed to only live for 75, 80 years. Okay, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lived forever. Okay, they were in perfect fellowship and, and, and relationship with God the Father. And you know what, what happened in the Garden? What happened in the Garden? There, were, there was sin. Adam and Eve sinned. And what was the consequence of that? It brought, brought a curse, and that curse was the curse of death. So no longer would they live forever. So you and I are bearing the consequences of that sin. And so our lives now, we don't live forever. We don't live for, like Noah lived for 600 years. We live for roughly 75, 80 years. And then when our days are numbered, it's, it's over, and we're ushered into eternity. James 4.14 you guys know this verse? James 4.14 talks about how our lives are like a vapor. And you guys have seen fog. You've seen boiling water. The, the steam rises just for a little bit. You can see it. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. And that's the way the Bible talks about you and I. Psalm 103. It talks about how you and I are like the grass of the field or the flower. It sprouts up. It's beautiful, it flourishes for a season, and then for you guys that come from farm families, you know what happens when a, when a storm comes, when the hail comes, when the wind comes, and, and, and dries it up, and it's gone, it's, it's dead. And that's the way the Bible describes our lives. And you know, we spend so much time, and we spend so much money, and the, the world tries to get you to buy into the lie of making your life all about you, when, when your life is a shadow, and it's going to be over just like that. Some of you guys have probably heard the analogy, uh, maybe heard of Francis Chan, and I don't know, maybe somebody's even used this analogy for you, but Francis Chan, I've seen this video of him where, to, to kind of help us illustrate this, he has a long rope that he extends out, it's supposed to represent eternity. And then at the very tip of that rope, he, he has it colored in red, and that's supposed to represent our lives here on this earth. So if, if you're lucky, you may live 75, 80 years, 90 years, maybe, maybe a few of you will live to be 100. But in the whole scope of eternity, if that rope extends forever and ever and ever and ever, our lives are just at the very tip of that rope. And what do we do as people? I know I do it. Is I, I spend all my time focused on that one, that one little tip when the reality is we're going to be, all of us are going to be spending an eternity. Our souls are going to live on and on and on and on. 
So we ought to be spending this time preparing for that time. But we don't do that. There, life is, is so vain, and we waste so much time. So keeping the brevity of life in mind, it's going to give purpose to where we put our feet. So you guys want to know, where do I put my feet? Where am I at in life? What decisions am I going to make today? Well, keep, keep the shortness of life. Keep eternity in view. I think that's important to do on a daily basis, that you, just, you say, Lord, this could be my last day. And if you knew this was your last day, would you do anything different? You, you may not do a whole lot different, but I bet you'd have a different mindset in terms of how you approach that day. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, Psalm 39 says that our lives are but a breath. Okay, human, mankind is, is but a breath. So every time you take a breath, it just, just serves as a reminder to let you know that it could be your last. So number one, keep, remember the brevity of life. Number two, Again, you guys are challenged on this every day at, at Nebraska Christian. But if you want to keep your feet from slipping, if you want to pay a careful attention to where you're putting your feet, you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. I've heard Paul Washer say, some of you guys may be familiar with him, he's a, he's a preacher, itinerant minister. Well, something he, he said a while back when he was in Nebraska that I've always just hung on to. It's a very simple thought. But for young people, there is no more important thing for you to do than to give yourselves to the systematic reading of God's word. Genesis through Revelation. Read it, read it, read it. It's not rocket science. All you gotta do is read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Okay, you guys want to go out tonight and drive down the road in the middle of the night without your, your headlights on. Okay, you'd probably get in a wreck if you did that. But don't, don't we do that in life? Because we kind of walk through life and we don't have our path lit by God's word. We have not spent time in God's word to, to help light our path. We do that all the time. God's word is not only a lamp for us, but if you think about all the things that we put into our lives to satisfy us, whether they be sports, whether they be money, whether they be clothes, all those pursuits, the Bible gives us an indication of what the word is. And if I were to tell you right now that there's been millions of dollars discovered in your backyard and all you got to do is go and dig it out, what would you do? I wouldn't be here. I would, I would be out these doors very quickly, and I would go right to my house, and I would take a shovel out, and I would dig it up. Okay, a few years ago up in North Dakota, there was farmers that had farmed this ground for centuries, little to know that, that two, two miles below the surface, there was black gold. There was oil. And because of new technology called fracking, these oil guys would go in, and they would drill, and these farmers became millionaires overnight. And guys, we have, we have the word of God. And the Bible says that over and over again, Psalm 119 talks about how God's word is more precious than diamonds. It's more precious than all the gold and silver in the world. Think about this. I know you guys have been challenged to memorize God's word. At least I'm hoping you have here at NC. Memorizing God's word is an important spiritual discipline for you. 
But I heard somebody say this one time. What if I were to tell you, I'm going to give you $1,000 for every Bible verse that you memorize this week. I'm going to come back a week from now, and you're going you're gonna to tell me all the Bible verses that you memorized, and I'm going to cut you a check for $1,000. Okay, how many Bible verses do you guys think you'd go memorize? Probably a lot. I mean, you memorize 100 of those, that's $100,000. And yet, guys, God's word is, is worth more than all the riches in the world. And how little time do we spend reading it? How little time do we spend memorizing it? And it's, it's vital that if, if you, if you want to make progress in the Christian life, if you want to keep your feet from slipping into sin, you need to read God's word. And, and do it with someone else. Read God's word. So remember the brevity of life. Remember to read your Bibles. Thirdly, remember to give yourself to noble purposes. Remember to give yourself to noble purposes. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verses 20 through 21. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Some of, some of you here today, and, and I'm telling myself this, we need to get rid of some of the dishonorable things that are in our lives. And, and ask yourself, what, what are some of those things? At the end of your life, and you're on your deathbed, what do you want people to remember you by? What do you want to have spent your time doing in this life? I'll guarantee you it's not going to be, I wish I would have played more sports. I wish I would have been in the office more. Wish I would have made more money. Wish I would have done better on my science test. Even though that's important for you to do. But you're going to be thinking about the things that are going to matter after you pass away. And what are people going to say about you? What did you give your life to? Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And again, the world is, is telling you to spend your time in vain pursuits. The pursuit of sex and money, power, greed, all those things. And, and, and a lot of you will follow after that. But my, my prayer is that a lot of you would decide, no, I'm going to give my life to something that's worth it. And I, I have somebody tell me all the time, what, what, what are you doing right now that's going to matter 100 years from now? So what are you doing today that's really going to matter in eternity? And I, I constantly have to think through that myself because I deal with the same temptation to forget that. We, we are all into entertainment in the United States. Are we not? Um, video games, movies, Netflix, sports, all these different things that we consume that entertain us. A.W. Tozer said that he, he believed that on the tombstone of America, it would say they entertain themselves to death. And there's nothing wrong with us enjoying those good gifts that God has given us. There's nothing inherently wrong in money. There's nothing inherently wrong in sex or in, in video games or Netflix. But when we spend too much time on those things, they, be, they become idols for us. And they're not the most honorable thing that we can spend our time doing. So it's just an encouragement to all of us that 
we give ourselves to noble purposes. And if we think about those things, if you say, Lord, this next week, how do I want to grow in my faith? How do I want to give myself to things that are going to last in an eternity? It may be sharing your faith with a family member or a teammate. It may be reading your Bible. It may be serving somebody that's less fortunate than you. But that's, that focus is going to help you from keeping your feet from slipping. Because you're going to have purpose behind your life. So remember the brevity of life. Remember to read your Bible. Remember to give yourself to an honorable, noble ambition and purpose. And fourthly, is to remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Guys, I, I come here this morning, and one of my greatest fears for you at Nebraska Christian is that you guys come every Wednesday morning. You guys have Bible class. A lot of you guys are growing up in the church. My greatest fear for you is that you become inoculated to the gospel. And what I mean by that is just like a vaccine where you get, a, you get a, dead, a dead form of the virus to keep you from getting the real, the real form. That's what happens when you get a flu shot. You guys have heard the gospel over and over again. You've heard the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen. That my greatest fear for you, being in a Christian school, is that you become inoculated to it, to where you come in here and it no longer affects you the way that it's intended to. And being involved with FCA, I think you guys have a lot of advantages in being in a Christian school because you are hearing God's word, you're, you're learning about Christ, you're looking, you're looking at the world from a Christian worldview, which is right. But there is part of me that, that says, you know, in the public school where they don't have that privilege, it, it, there's a difference when you go in and you preach the gospel because it's, it's a little bit darker environment and, and a lot of these kids are hearing it for the first time. I'm leading a huddle at the Hastings Middle School. And most of these kids, they've never heard the good news that Jesus Christ has died for them. He's paid the penalty for their sin. So when they hear it, it's like, oh my gosh, their eyes are opened. And for you, I hope that's not the case. I hope that you come in here and as, as Coach Thiessen Mr. Cumston, as they read God's word, as you sing songs, I hope that you never get tired of it because you're never going to fully exhaust the depths of the gospel. It just keeps getting richer and better and more glorious because the more that you're living on this life, the more that you realize how much you're a sinner and the more that you realize that if, if you're a Christian, you once were an enemy of God, that you were a rebel against him and his will for you. And then you realize that in spite of that, Jesus Christ came, demonstrated his own love for, toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that amazing news, we should remind ourselves of that, and that's going to keep us from slipping into that, into that sin. It's going to keep us on a firm foothold. As we're walking across the tightrope of life, reminding ourselves of the gospel, that's going to serve as our foundation. And again, that, that is, that is the, the one thing that I want you guys to, to realize, that the gospel is not just for when you get saved. It's not just for when you get born again. And I realize not all of you in here may be born again. But the gospel applies to everything you do in life. And if you want to be freed from sin, if you want to make progress in the Christian life, 
then you need to live your life in view of God's mercy for you. So every day you wake up, you realize that, man, life is short. This could be my last day. You read your Bible. You get fed spiritually from the Bible. You consider, what am I going to do today that's going to last for eternity? Give myself to a noble ambition. And then you preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the good news that God saves sinners like you and I through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're, you're stuck in that vomit and you've slipped and you're slithering around on, on the floor and you're, you can't get up, look up. Look, look to Jesus Christ. And he's going to pull you out of that. And he's going to clean you. It's not just a towel that he, he wipes you off. He's going to cleanse you from the, from the inside out. And, and the promises that we have in the gospel of forgiveness and of, of eternal life. Again, this morning, I, I hope that's helpful for you. Of just, above all else, guard your heart. And doing that through a few of these principles. There's, there's a lot more that could be said, but I know we're, we're out of time. If you guys would bow with me and pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you meet us right where we're at. And I, I pray for everybody in this room, including myself, Lord, that find ourselves slipping, that find ourselves not guarding our heart as we should. And, and Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts so that we would honor you, that we would glorify you, that we would live our lives in view of eternity. And Lord, that, that we would give ourselves to, to noble purposes. And Lord, ultimately that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the good news that, that you would, would go to such great lengths to save us, to redeem us to yourself. Lord, help us to, to live today and tomorrow in, in light of that good news. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.